Hey, welcome into the Stinky Truth Podcast. Mark Schler alongside my co-host, Mike Evans, Millennial Ben, producer of the show. Want to thank our uh, presenting sponsor, great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner, bet with Bet Rivers. Also, stinking good green chili um, for all your green chili needs, your queso dip needs at stinkinggood.com. Mike, how are you, buddy? I am great. Blown away by another big contract given out to a quarterback, Russell Wilson, the latest. I know, and it's. I, I think one of the cool things about this is we all lamented after the Deshaun Watson signing, and forget about all the legal issues, put that aside, it was the overall contract, the fully guaranteed contract, $230 million over five years, and I think every one of us at the time thought that, uh-oh, this blows up the quarterback market. You, you're going to start seeing everybody get these fully guaranteed contracts, but now... We've had, what, two since then? Kyler Murray and now Russell Wilson, neither of those fully guaranteed. So I think the basic owner, you know, the owners got together. I'm not going to say they colluded, but they got together and said, hey, this is nonsense and we're not going to do it. And we're not going to do what the Cleveland Browns, they're the outlier. They're idiots for doing it. And the rest of us owners are going to band together and not do this. I'm not saying they're colluding. I'm just saying NFL col- yeah. owners colluding. Right, right, exactly. I don't. I'm not. I'm Shocking. not saying. Yeah, I'm not saying they they would do such a thing. But They've never done that. No, but it would be. Uh, you know, it would behoove us not to go down the road of Jimmy Haslam and the Cleveland Browns. So I think that's. I think. But I think it's great. For, I mean, your, your initial thought on Russell Wilson, you know, signing this long term extension, and again, it's extension. So it doesn't kick in for two yeah, years. Yeah, I think that's the key stink, isn't it? If you're a Bronco fan, I think you got to be ecstatic with this deal and give a nod to, to Russell Wilson that he was not out to break the bank. He could have he could have said, look, I want a contract representative of what the market's going to look like two years from now after my current deal runs out. Instead, this is a deal that's getting done right now that still has two more years to run. He's going to be paid $24 million this year, $27 million next year, which is ridiculous when you think about how team-friendly that is, before this new contract kicks in. Mark, by the time that new contract kicks in, he's probably going to be the seventh, eighth highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. I know, and I'm watching – the Seattle the local, you know, the beat reporters and the local people who cover the Seattle Seahawks and some of the Seattle Seahawks fans. I was already on a text thread with all my buddies that, uh, you know, I played college football with that all live in Seattle that are all like good riddance to Russell Wilson. You know, I just followed a guy that's a beat writer in Seattle said this, is, make no mistake about it. This is exactly why I think it was, I think it's a guy by the name of Greg Bell, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he said, this is exactly why the Seahawks, why Russell Wilson and the Seahawks couldn't get it done. Yeah, Greg Bell. Um, make no mistake, Russell Wilson's new mega deal with Denver is why Russell Wilson is no longer a Seahawks quarterback. Good. Like, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that we have him, which you said, is on a relatively manageable deal because by the time this actually new money kicks in, at quote unquote forty nine million bucks a year, he'll probably be the seventh or eighth highest paid quarterback. He's making twenty four and twenty seven, as you pointed out. Um, it's very manageable from a cap space standpoint. You look at the Broncos quarterback room in general. You're playing. You're paying what about twenty five and a half million, twenty six million for all three quarterbacks that you have. You know your your backup Brett Rippin, your uh, your practice squad guy Josh Johnson, 
and next year you'll you'll probably be under $30 million in your quarterback room. It's a very manageable number. It is. And so you look at that, and good for Russell Wilson for not trying to, hey, completely obliterate the market. He understood he had two years left on his deal. He got a great deal, $165 million up front. I mean, right? Like, it's a win-win for the Broncos. I think I don't think they could be any happier that they've got this done. They're no longer in quarterback purgatory. They've got stability at the at the most position, or the most the most important position, not in football, in in sports, at the quarterback position. And meanwhile, the Seahawks are going good riddance to you. Like well, they are such scorned lovers. Well, over okay, there. but 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 let's let's look into that because this is only a great deal for the Broncos. If Russell Wilson's going to continue to play at a Pro Bowl level for the next seven years, and if you listen to the the, the, the drum beats coming out of Seattle since the day that this deal was done, was hey Bronco fan, beware! You know you're being kind of sold a false bill of goods here. He's not the quarterback you think you're getting. His game is plateaued, and he's ready for a decline over yeah. the next second half of his career. That's what you're hearing out of Seattle. But, but that's what scorn lovers do, right? I mean, they throw out all the they throw out all the hey, the potentially bad things. I'll just go back to Tom Brady and I'll go back to Tom Brady 10, 12 years ago. There have been people in the national media in regards to Tom Brady that have tried to write his obituary for 12 straight years. Guess what? The dude is still defeating Father Time. He's got the Father Time in a headlock. He's choking his ass out right now. And and there's still, I mean, it's still, he's still at the top of his game. And by the way, he was rated in the NFL, the, you know, the NFL.com or whatever it is, breakdown, as the number one player in football at 45 years old. And so the same thing with Russell Wilson. You know, it's, it's the people that... Uh, I, I, a term you use all the time, a, a phrase you use, that are whistling past the graveyard, right? Nothing to see here. We're all good. Russell Wilson was eating too much of the cap space. Therefore, we couldn't build a good team around him. Well, good luck with Geno Smith and Drew Locke because we just went through that here in Denver. You know, every time a game would come up, I, I call a game, and every network, whether it was CBS, whether it was ESPN, whether it was Fox, whether it was NBC, the quarterback carousel, they'd make some graphic and show you all the freaking quarterbacks, including you know, actual Philip Lindsay. You know, they, 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 everybody says, hey, it was Kendall Hinton. It was actually Philip Lindsay that took the first snap at the quarterback position. He was actually a running back in shotgun that took a snap. During a game when everybody came down with COVID and you know and, and all kinds of crap. That by the way, that was your your quarterback, Drew Locke, Seattle, that uh, that I don't know tried to circumvent the uh, circumvent the system. But the bottom line is, good luck. I know what it's like to live in quarterback purgatory. I know what it's like to like. Here's here's what has to happen. This is what's crazy to me. Okay, you're like, well, we can't win because we can't put a good enough team around because he's taking too much of our salary cap. Damn it. Too much salary cap. Get rid of him. Good riddance. Okay. Here's what I know for you to win with a backup quarterback, because let's face it, whether it's Geno Smith or whether it's Drew Locke, they've, they've, they've met the Peter principle, right? They've risen to the level of incompetence. And so they are what they are. So here's what you have to do. We have to be perfect in special teams. We've got to make at least 
two or three big plays in the special teams department. We've got to have a big time return that shortens the field. We've got to have a uh, you know we've got to have a a block punt or you know a, we've got to we've got to shut them down, pin them down inside the ten yard line on every punt. We've yeah like we've got to be able to make a turnover on special. We've got to do one like three things on special teams right, and then defensively. We've got to make them one-dimensional, and we've got to take the ball away two or three times. Offensively, we've got to run the snot out of the ball, and we've got to manage our quarterback so he can't lose it. They've got All these different things have to happen for you to have a chance to win a game. If you're Denver, you've got a chance to win every game. You know why? Because you've got a quarterback that covers warts. So you don't have to be perfect in special teams. You don't have to be perfect and create five turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. You don't have to do those things when you've got a quarterback that can that can essentially race erase deficiencies, a quarterback that makes up for a multitude of sins. And I know what it's like. I've watched it over the last six years. I've been I've been there. Like like when when I was in Washington and after Rippon had his incredible run, you know, at, at the quarterback and won the Super Bowl MVP. We had just such a solid stacked team. I watched us go through He Schuler and I watched us go through, you know, a couple other Gus Farrat and, and John Fried, and they're fine quarterbacks. They're they're dear friends of mine. But I've I've watched here in Denver for the last several years go through Flacco and and Case Keenum and Drew Locke and. You know, and 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 it, whoever Trevor else. Simeon, Trevor, Paxton Lynch, right. Teddy Bridgewater. I've yeah. watched, I've watched it all, and I know how perfect you have to be every Sunday. You know what that? You know what that results in? That results in five to seven wins. And look, we're not the the only ones. There, are, there are other groups of NFL fans right now that are putting their hand up and say, "Hey, Sting, I we we know what it's like. We've lived through it. We're living through it. But uh-huh. we do have the benefit here of." the last six years in Denver, of of having watched it, and especially coming off the heels of Peyton Manning. So you go right from seeing the difference that an elite quarterback makes to what happens when you don't have one. And so that's why I feel like we're kind of – we're the smartest guy in the room because we could sit back and say, Seattle, we know what's coming for you. New England, we know what's coming for you. And if you arrogantly, blindly – Go about your business thinking everything's going to be okay because we don't have Tom Brady or we don't have Russell Wilson. We'll find other ways to do it. I'm telling you, the odds of that happening are slim. Right. And you're about to find out. When you have a franchise quarterback, you know what a franchise quarterback brings to an organization? Brings confidence. The other thing, it's the high tide principle. It rises all boats in the harbor. So when you have a franchise quarterback, you know what happens? Everybody looks better than they are. I used to say this about Peyton Manning all the time. That is a 4-12 and franchise, or no, I'd say that's an 8-8 and franchise that goes 12-4 and every year because of their quarterback. That's what he does for them. And that's exactly what a franchise quarterback does for you. Franchise quarterbacks win you football games. They make up for your deficiencies. When you have a couple of injuries, when you have a position that maybe is not as strong as it really should be, they mask those deficiencies. When you have a backup quarterback, you know what you're going into? And that's what Seattle has, backup quarterbacks. You know what you roll into? 
you roll into a scenario where, again, it's just don't lose the game. If our quarterback just doesn't lose the game, maybe, maybe if the stars align, we can win. That's what a backup quarterback. So you've got to be, like I said it earlier, you've got to be just about perfect everywhere. You've got to be dominant everywhere. Line of scrimmage, O-line, D-line, you've got to be dominant. You got to be dominant at the linebacker position. You got to dominate at the tight end and receiver position. You've got to have a dominant running game. And then your quarterback, then you say, hey, just don't screw this up. And we'll give you enough play actions to create a couple of uh, explosive plays. But you get into a drop back game where that guy's got to win for you. Good luck. Good. You, you don't, you can't win in this league that way. Not consistently, Mike. Not consistently. Some uh, other quarterback-related news. Aaron Rodgers, one of your favorite uh, mm. subjects, made news. He went on the Joe Rogan podcast and talked at length about um, you know how he he played in games, uh, having having taken uh, a Percocet, uh, but mainly talked about his view of uh, the the whole NFL mandate to get vaccinated. How he specifically used the term immunized with the idea that he would get asked follow-up, what do you mean, what's immunized, and then he would go on and explain, but he never did, was mm-hmm. asked. So he just continued on with the, uh, uh, the, the the perception that he was vaccinated when all along he wasn't. He shared stories of uh, ripping apart and taking apart uh, NFL uh, stooge that was sent in with all kinds of uh, – uh, information and analytics to show why the NFL was forcing players to get vaccinated. What was your uh, your take on all the latest with Aaron Rodgers? Uh, l- listen, Aaron is you know smartest guy in the room. I get it, and Aaron is smart, and and like I love the guy, I do. Like as a friend and as a player and everything else, and and uh, you know, um, I absolutely love the guy. I-, I will say this: there are a lot of guys that had a lot more to lose, careers to lose, that chose to stand up and not get vaccinated and take the heat and take the criticism. Kirk Cousins. Um, Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley is the guy I was thinking about. Right, Cole Beasley. Fringe guy. Right. And basically just said, hey, man, no, I'll I'll take the test every day. I'll wear the mask in front of people, in front of the uh, – I'll do whatever I have to do. But uh, Lamar Jackson. And Lamar was one that didn't want to get, but they stood up for their beliefs and said, "Hey, consequences be damned. Whether I, you know, if I get booted out of the league, if I lose endorsements, whatever the case may be, like I'm going to stand firm in my belief." And I have a lot of respect for the guys who did that. Um, I thought Aaron played the game, and I'd have more. I'd have more respect if you just came out and said, I ain't doing it, then, oh, I'm immunized. But whatever, it's over. And, and you know, if you feel vindicated because, you know, a lot of the information that was out there initially about the vaccines turns out not to be what we thought it was going to be, you know, and the variants kept, you know, kind of multiplying. And, and so, like, whatever you want, and I get it, you can take a victory lap if you choose to do so. Um, that's fine. That doesn't bother me, but, um, I just have, I just have a lot of respect for the guys who just were up front, came right out and said, I ain't doing it. And, uh, consequences be damned. Yeah. It's not, 
look, if, if you feel that strongly about it, uh, just because you had a, a bunch of media that didn't do their jobs and, and follow up and, and really press you on what immunize means, mm-hmm. why wait? If, if you feel that strongly about it, right. if you feel that strongly about being anti-vax mandate, or you feel this strongly about the way that you were immunized by the some of the things that you did, the alternative medicine right. things that you did, if you feel that strongly about it, I would think you'd want to get that out there. Why wait for it to be asked? You, you can go to any media guy you know and just, you know, quick whisper, hey, Ask me, ask me again today about being immunized. I want, I want to talk about it. I, right. I have some things I feel strongly about that I right. want to. So ask me about it. He could have done that, because, well, but he didn't. I, I mean, I think you just don't want the scrutiny, and you don't want the potential of losing your endorsement deals. You know, your big state farm national. But if you deal feel that strongly else. about it, right? I, you know, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I mean, Kyrie Irving's weirdo that he is, did stick to his guns about it. And he yeah. wasn't shy about saying, this is the way I feel. He's so weird, though, he probably doesn't have any endorsement deals. <laughs> right? Isn't he? He's like, hey, look, if this means I get to the edge of the flat earth and I fall off it, so be it. Right. Exactly. I mean, there's not a like a flat earth, uh, like a flat earth t-shirt company or something he's <laughs> right, sponsoring, right? Right. Right. Some flat earth, uh, <laughs> some flat earth nutrient company yeah. or whatever. Listen, I'm Kyrie Irving for the flat earth tourism company. Yeah, right. Take advantage of these great deals as you'll get a chance to sail right up to the edge. Right. Right up to the edge of the earth and peer down over it. <laughs> That's right. Right. Or my name isn't Kyrie Irving. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> flat edge flat edge cruises, right? <laughs> we cruise right to the edge of the ocean where it falls off like a big waterfall. That's right. We let you peer over it. You That's think right. Niagara Falls is big. <laughs> right. Wait till you get to the end where the ocean falls <laughs> That's off. That's right. Into space. You wouldn't believe what yeah. that looks like. So uh you got you got that going on. Uh what else? What else we got going on? So as as we wrap up the the preseason. Finally, we're ready right. for real football. And it has been an offseason in which more and more we have seen teams content to take it easy in practice, take it real easy in preseason games, not even play their regulars. And if they did play their regulars, it was only for a, a, a handful to a dozen snaps. What's the message being sent by the NFL? And for us as fans, this is maybe the most important question. How will the way that preseason and training camps were handled, how will that affect the football that we watch for the first few weeks of the NFL season? Well, as I travel around for Fox and talk to teams every year, every team will tell you, or just about every team will tell you, you know, we look at the the first couple games of the season as an extension of our preseason. And, like, I don't think that really means that, um, you know, that we're not ready to go. I think what they're, what they're really saying is because we don't get as much work as we used to get, we have to be very cognizant of where we are as a football team, be very realistic about where we are. And so, to me, it means, you know, we, we've got to adhere to the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. Know what you can do and try to be really efficient and good at doing the things you can execute. And I think that's really what it comes down to. So you may roll in, let's say a regular game plan, Mike. You've got maybe seven, eight runs. Let's call it eight runs. 
and you know you've got eight nine different protections and you know you got a bunch of you know you, your your install is not all the way up to seventh day of your install you're 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 keeping it to the things that you installed you know first second third day of training camp you know that like your your typical route and route combinations that's what you're going to work on and so you're going to say hey man we really want to be experts or we really want to have an identity in the wide zone okay so that's what we're going to do what pairs play action wise off a wide zone and so then you're going to say okay there's two separate things that i think of when i think of play action i think of the actual run action aspect of play action and then the play pass part of play action so we're really going to hang our heads on these three runs as opposed to eight three or four runs we'll have an adjunct in there based upon what you struggled with in the preseason right so we'll add something in there but we're really going to base it out of these three or four runs that we really like that we really know we can execute and are good at. No matter what defense you throw out there, we're going to have an answer for it, and we're going to set up our explosives based off of that. And then our passing game is going to be, you know, your your curl flat, right? Like we're going to go into you know into our Omaha and our stick and our like we're going to go into uh, into stick spacing and and like we're going to have first day concepts that we're going to try to execute and. Then we're going to build on that every week. We're going to put a little extra flair, a little extra package on there so that we can expand. So I think you take your playbook, Mike, and you just basically say, hey, man, the volume of our playbook in these first couple of games, we're probably only going to be hitting about 30% of our playbook. But it's the 30% we've really been busting our ass on that we should execute well. And then every week as the season progresses, we're going to add some wrinkles. We're going to add some pieces to the playbook. And I think that's what... I think that's what you have to think about when you think about how the preseason has affected what we do in the regular season. And then there's two trains of thought. Hey, man, we got to have our guys ready. We got to play. Or, hey, man, we're going to let our guys be fresh when the season starts. We're not going to play them at all. And I thought you brought up a great point the other day on our radio show. Like, for all those people that are up in arms you know, in Los Angeles or here in Denver or in Minnesota or wherever it is where your guys didn't, you know, the Sean McVay tree, right, where you guys didn't take a snap during the preseason. And now Buffalo, you know, their starters took a whopping eight snaps or, you know. Josh Allen took six. Took six, right. Like, how much more ready are you really? Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay, so your team played their starters for two drives. Right. Got 16 plays. Right. Woo! Like, are you that far advanced? Are you that far ahead? It really matters how you practice, the way, the intensity of practice, uh, the way you work in practice, and 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 how well you execute. And, and, you know, you don't make pre-snap penalties and you don't have those issues. You should be okay. Can we do, like, uh, some 60-second uh, lightning round topics here real quick yeah, at please. the end? Yeah, All right. Sure. Jimmy Garoppolo staying put. It would appear in San Francisco with a rework contract it gives them a uh, what, what's your word whoopee gives them a security blanket if Trey Lance doesn't doesn't perform they've got their whoopee also I know there's a no trade clause in there but now he it makes him very tradable so they can keep him after Week One when that fully guarantee it kicks in but he's still exceptionally tradable. So if somebody loses a quarterback or one of these young guys doesn't perform, all of a sudden 
Jimmy Garoppolo for a second rounder is available. But what do you think the main motivation was to do this? To provide security just in case for Trey Lance or to make him easier to trade? One or the other. What would you what would you what would security? You go I agree. I think it's I think it's security and I think they know they they've got the roster to to compete for a championship and they know that that uh that that Jimmy Garoppolo has gotten to, gotten them to that game. Baker Mayfield denying that he said he would f them up when talking about going up against the Browns in week 1 as the starting quarterback of the Panthers. Yeah, I I'm sure that the media just made it up. Yeah, it may have been in tongue in cheek, but so the, the Cynthia Freeland said um, she did the podcast. She said she playfully told him, basically, you probably want to f them up, and he echoed it back. The tone was gracious and happy and excited. Right. Okay. But he denies ever saying anything. Right. Right. Well, good for good for. Hey, listen, man, you've got to understand. Like, here's the issue, ba- Baker Mayfield. I don't. I don't have an issue with his talent. I think his talent and his knowledge of the game are are supreme. I think he's a gifted player. I think his maturity is what comes into question and that's one of those situations, you know, even in a playful manner. Like if you're a polished if you're a polished franchise quarterback, you know how you respond to that? Hey, listen, man, I got a bunch of friends over there and there's nobody you'd rather beat than your friends, but this is going to be a challenge because they have got a good ro- like come on now. Right, just give me QB, QB speak, QB speak. Franchise, I just know. Yeah. I just hey, just know. I mean, that's what we love about Baker Mayfield because he gives you sound bites. He does. Lamar Jackson. What is uh, Russell Wilson's deal coming on the heels of the Kyler Murray deal mean for Lamar Jackson's it contract mean, talks? It means you're not getting a Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed contract. This is how the Mar. Hey, man, that's such an outlier, and that's it's not our fault that the Cleveland Browns are dumb. That ain't our fault. But we're not falling, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna bite that fish hook. <laughs> we Do you think Lamar Jackson really wants Deshaun Watson deal, or is it that he can't even get from the Ravens Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson money? That I don't know, Mike. You know, I've heard the reports that that you know because Baltimore's had a lot of opportunity, a lot right. of time to get and out I've, in front uh, of this quarterback market. And I've heard, I've all, I've also heard, and I think you've heard it too that you know they've offered him that that kind of Kyler Murray deal, and you know, and he's turned it down. I don't know what reports are true. Usually, when those reports come out, it's fake money. That's usually how that works. So it's usually propaganda put out there in the open market by the team it's not the player the player never reports on what a great fake contract he got right the agent doesn't report on hey man we got this it was it's the Dak Prescott deal when they kept throwing out that I mean kept coming out these numbers gonna make him the highest paid quarterback in the league and and he kept declining them like that that information comes from the Cowboys right because it it becomes fake money you know there's out clauses and things that aren't aren't reported on. So I, I don't know, but I understand this. And if I was Baltimore Ravens, I'd be I'd be apprehensive about signing that big contract too. Because that dude does not he has not afforded the the protection of the pocket because that guy is is a he's a he's a I don't want to call him a run first quarterback, but he's a quarterback that relies on his athleticism and his running ability to really open that offense up. And I think 
and, and rightfully so, I think they have questions like the rest of us have questions about his sustainability and his ability to win a game as a drop back from the pocket quarterback. And of course, and you should, and that doesn't, that's not derogatory. That that's just honest. And I'm, would you not? I mean, if you were running the Baltimore Ravens, would you not have questions about the overall sustainability of his game long term? They've made it crystal clear they have doubts. Of course. If if they had any if if they did not feel at all that that this guy couldn't transform into just a guy that will just pick you apart from the pocket, they would have signed him and locked him up Mahomes or Allen style a long time ago. Sure. But the fact that they haven't speaks volumes. It does. It's, yep. that's just where does. You are. It's where you are right now. So, anyhow. Hey, listen, for everybody involved in the Stink Truth Podcast, we thank you so much for listening. For Mike, I am Mark from Millennial Ben. We appreciate you. We'll be back with you next week. Also, want to thank our presenting sponsor, great folks over at Bet Rivers.